You're listening to Let's Chop It Up with Zaz. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Let's go. Woo! <laughs> hey! Ah! Uh, you ready? No ceaseless you. Hey! All right, this is Let's Chop It Up with Zaz, and today we got a special guest, the legend, man. To me, the legend, DJ Doop. What's going on, brother? What's up, Zaz? How you, man? Chilling, man. Chilling, brother. Chilling, man. So grateful to have you here today with us, man. Great to be here, brother. You know, I kept. You know, I was gonna keep my word. Definitely, man. And you, you, uh, you've been around forever, man. You, you've touched. You, you helped a lot of people's careers, man. How's DJ Doop doing nowadays, man? Pretty good, man. I'm blessed. You know, glad to still be here. Glad to still have that fire, you know, uh, within me to keep pursuing the music, keep coming up with creative ideas. That's just, you know, one the creativity is one thing that I, I built my whole uh, career on, I think. You know what I mean? Like, I always tried to do something a little bit out the box. Um and just just to be able to have people like you and people that still follow, of course, now with social media, that's a big boost for us because now people that the only way they could find us back in the days was if we put out a new tape. Now they could follow us and and, and see what we're doing, you know, in real time. So Yeah, definitely, man. That's definitely a blessing, man. I appreciate all of that. Yeah, man. So, you know, like I said, man, you put me you put me through high school with the mixtapes. And it was the most amazing thing in the world, man, to get that mixtape in your hand. I used to get it from Triple Five Soul. Mm-hmm. Triple Five Soul on Lolo Street. They mm-hmm. used to have your tapes in there. And uh Bates. You from? You, from down, you from down Lowy Side? Yeah, I'm 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 from New York. You know what I'm saying? I, I was there till I was 22 years old. Then I'm uh, now I'm in Philly. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? So I'm out here now, you know, doing okay. my thing out here. So, you know, just you know, just hanging in there. That's you up. know what I'm saying? But tell me what, like you, you, you're like a whole different world, man. When it comes to DJing, mm-hmm. to me, I think that you took DJing and you took it to like the highest levels. Mm-hmm. And do what, man? I gotta say, man, you by far the greatest DJ rapper ever. <laughs> that's that's a tough one, man. My brother. I appreciate that. That's a tough one, man. My brother, man. To me, brother, you are the yo, your ver yo, you was you was spitting, bro. Do I what happened? Like what made you go that route? Like you said, you always thought out the box. So I mean, if you want to start at the beginning, we can start at the beginning. Yeah, let's start at the um, beginning. Start nine years old, I started DJing. That's when I got turned on to hip hop. That's when I'm 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 about to be 51 and end of this month so mm. I w- i'm talking about 79 when rap is a light was on the radio and cold crush were making tapes fantastic five all my heroes you know tapes that i was buying every week getting you know my allowance and spending my whole allowance on on these tapes on uh cold crush fantastic grandmaster flash all all these you know icons who you know became later who later became like peers you know what i mean like I'm like so blessed to like know these guys now. And and it's just like, you know, I came up listening to them and for my 10th birthday, I think it was my 10th birthday. I asked 
my parents for uh, you know some DJ stuff, and they bought me a whole set, turntables, mixer, speakers, everything. So now I'm locked in. Now that's all I do. Besides school, that's all I do. So now you're talking about 1980. I'm all in, practicing, practicing, trying to get better every day. And then around 84, teen, I just lost total interest. Like I I threw away some stuff. I gave away half of my shit and mm. just wanted to run the streets. That's, it was nothing going on. It was just a teenager, you know, that my eyes opened to other things and start running the streets. And then around, I would say it had to be like, the Rakim and Kane years, which was 86, 88. That's when I was like, I got to get back because, it, you know, I saw the one person that made me want to get back was Eric B because Eric B made, made it look like so cool to be a DJ. And I knew, I knew how to DJ. So God damn, this dude looks more, just as important as the rapper. Like that wasn't a thing before, before it was the guy was in the back with his head down <laughs> DJ and the rapper was a star and everybody wanted to see the rapper. But when Eric B came out, he was just as fly as, as Rakim, just as important. His aura was crazy. So, boom, that drew me back in. Now I had to get my own shit, of course. Now I'm a little older. And uh, 89, see, we went from 79, 89. 89 is when uh, I heard a Kid Capri tape. I heard the Brucey B tape. I started mm-hmm. hearing them coming out of cars. Mind you, that, that same attraction to the Eric B aura drew me to that too, because now I'm like, you could just do it yourself. Like you could do it in your crib and, you know, put out a tape and the world, the world will play it. It ain't that easy, but I see that it was possible. So I just took a shot at that, but I seen that it's kind of hard to compete with these guys that's already Damn near, you know, they 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 on their way to legendary status. And I'm like, how you gonna stand out? So I figured try to get on the mic. Instead of just talking on the mic, try to like spit a verse in the beginning. So of course, I can't even remember what I spit in the beginning, but I know that shit was probably horrible, dog. It was like 1990, so but <laughs> it, you know, I kept I kept at it. And by like 93, I think I had it down pat where it was kind of easy for me to write. It was easy to flow. It was, you know what I mean? I had, I had the confidence to do it. So that's all it was really, because when you think about it, I don't know how, how old you are shit, but back then it was Ron G, SNS, not even Clue yet. This is nine, 92 to 95. DJ Ron Ray G, Double R. <clears throat> Triple C, Double R, G Bold. You know, but nobody was rapping. Everybody had a different, different, not gimmick, a niche. You know what I mean? Their own lane. Ron G was doing all the blends. Yes. SNF had all the exclusives. Everything that ever came out, he would get it first. So that was my thing. My thing was to rap also. Because I was never a turntable-less type of guy. I never did that. You never hear me, like, do tricks and all that. Nothing against it, but I just never got into that. I, I, I was more into being a party DJ. And you know stuff like that. So I'm like, what what can I do? And that's that's how the rapping came. You know, what I mean, came along. Man, doo-wop. <laughs> when we heard you on it, we was like, man, doo-wop is spitting, boy. <laughs> so during that time, right there, right when you decided to do that, record labels were reaching out to you. Yeah, 90, 93, I, I I put out a record on my own, which was 
it was a guy on my block that I grew up with named Dominic. And um, he had, you know, he was doing this thing. So he had some bread and he's like, let's make a record. So there was a guy called Danny Dan, the beat man, who people don't know him by that name, but he's the actual guy who sold Bismarck to you got what I need, that song, the beat. Okay. He sold him that. He, he's done a lot of things, but he's always in the background. So he was a friend of ours too. So he did this beat for me and I rapped on it. We did a B-side. We pressed up 2,000 copies. Back then, that was a thing, like just press up 2,000 copies. I don't know why, but that was just a thing. And you sell them out your trunk. So we run around selling the record and it got the attention of Virgin Records. Mm. Mind you, right now, I also, I'm also putting out tapes and I have the Bounce Squad, which was a crew that I put together of rappers, right? And we, we all rap on the tape in the beginning and we do these creative intros and skits and all kinds of shit. And we, we killing the game in the streets. But at the same time, I put this record out by myself. So Virgin Records was interested in signing me. The contract was all it needed was my signature, right? We was about to do it. It was like a $185,000 con. I don't get that money, but I get like $25,000 yeah. and the rest is for the, for the album. It was going to be a doo-wop album. But then the A&R of the label caught wind of the Bounce Squad. And at the time, I'm 23. I'm still real young when it comes to like the business. He... Later on, I, I, I realized he was taking advantage. He was like, yo, let's sign your crew to the same deal. And I agreed to it. I didn't have to do that. I could have been like, no, give them a deal too. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because they wanted to sign my crew. But I let everybody sign to the deal. So we're about to make this album. Their vision is to send us to the West Coast for a whole year and have us work with West Coast producers and no Joe and some other guys. And I'm like, nah, like we all of us are like, nah, we can't do that. Because you guys heard of us because of what we do in the streets out here. Exactly. Well, and not here, but in New York. How are we gonna, you know, we stay in tune with the streets. We gotta stay here. We'll record here. We wanna record with Premier. We wanna record with Pete Rock. What are you doing? They try to like. I don't know what they were doing. They had a vision. I don't know if it were to work, but we asked off of the label. We was like, nah, we out. So we never did the album. So what happened was they kept one of my artists. One of my artists went behind my back and agreed to stay with them because mm. he wanted the whole deal for himself. Now, this guy was like our method man, right? Like if we were Wu-Tang, he was method man. So I felt like, now we can't rock with this guy. So now when we go back to do these tapes, people are going to be like, where's he at? Where's he at? I don't want to name him, but anyway. People yeah, yeah, who know yeah. the Bounce Squad would know who I'm talking about. He, he was, you know, the star of the Bounce Squad. And it was like, what the hell am I going to do? And that's how 95 Live came about. Because that was 93, 94. 95 Live just made people forget about the Bounce Squad. Because I, I needed that. I needed, to, I needed people to not bother me about Where's this person at and what's going on? And it's turmoil. Uh Uh-oh, you know, here goes the downfall, you know? Nah, I had to. So that's when I got, you know, KRS-One, Keith Murray, Redman. It wasn't easy, but I got it. And, you know, that's a whole story to itself, the way way that came about. Wow, that that still to this day 
That mixtape is a classic, man. <laughs> that was the first the first one of his kind. That was like a 20, 22 and a half minute intro. The first time known rappers ever ever rapped on the tape. Never before that, ever. Like known rappers, you know. Mind you, Raekwon was on that tape and Cuban Links just came out. Keith Murray was on that tape and most beautiful. These guys were super busy at super the time. Super busy at the time. Super feeling themselves and they still wanted to be on the tape because I found out later, you know, by meeting them and it's like they wanted to spit on the tape because they felt like they could do things on a mixtape that they can't do, you know, at their label, you know, on a record because they get censored and whatever. So it was crazy, man. I, you know, it, the way it came about was crazy. It was a hard, it was hard work, but it was well worth it. Wow, and the way you the way you put that out there like that, man, that was very creative, man. That was very creative. It was a tape without a playlist. It was a tape, the, the original that came yeah. out, no playlist. So you no never playlist. knew what you were going to hear. You never knew what you were going to hear. <laughs> yeah. It just said DJ Doo-Wop on it. Yeah. 95 yeah. Live. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, brother. That that's that's amazing, man. And then and then so how do you and Tony Touch get together? Well, so, so 95 Live, yo, your questions is ill. They 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 bounce right, right, right in, in sequence. <laughs> 95 Live was the first of its kind, like I said, and I made a part two. So 95 Live one, I had Keith Murray, Q tip. Hold up, Keith Murray, Q tip, Buster Rhymes. Rampage from the Flip Mode, Fat Joe, MOP, Guru, Ill and Out Scratch. Part two, I had Mob Deep, Tretch, KRS One, uh, Lost Boys, Smith and Wesson, Channel Live, Buckshot, and King Just, right? Yeah, bunch of hot MCs, a bunch, and you know the who's who, right? Of the hip hop at that time. But then Tony Touch, of course, I knew who he was, but we never met at the time. In '96, he came out with 50 MCs. I think it was 50 MCs. Yeah, 50 MCs. So it patterned itself after my tape. Yeah. So when I made a tape called '96 Summer Jam after his. I kind of took a shot at him, but subliminal. Like a lot of some people would know, but he would definitely know. He didn't like it, so he made a tape and he answered me. But again, it was subliminal. He didn't say doo wop or nothing. It wasn't like super disrespectful from both of us. It was, friend, it was friendly fire, man. Friendly, but we but we still didn't know each other at the time. So, yeah. um, we had a mutual friend named Ray Roll, rest in peace, just passed away last year. Very, like, tight with Tony, and I was cool with him because he was from the Bronx. He caught the win of that, and he was like, yo, y'all not going to do this, y'all not going to do this. Now, this is like 97. Y'all not going to do this back and forth. Now, nah. wow, come down to D&D studio tonight at 8 o'clock. I get down there, Tony's there, we sit and we talk, and it was done. Rap, because we both respected each other, and we're like, yeah, this shit corny. Let's do something together. Right then and there, we came up with the Diaz brothers because that was a time when Ooh. everybody was, you know, grabbing mafioso, you know, mm. labels and and uh, uh, the characters from movies, you know, the Scarface and all that. So we was like, yo, nobody never used that. All right, let's use that. We used it. Then we started thinking about what was hot at the time. Phone tap was out. We grabbed the instrumental phone tap. This is all the same night we met, bro. 
we I'm wrote hungry. it right there and we reenacted phone tap. About 3.30 in the morning, we left the studio. It was a done deal. Now, the mixtape wasn't done, but the intro was done, which is the meat of the tape. You feel me? So that's that's how that's how that came about. And then from there, we've been best friends ever since. Man. Mm-hmm. That 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 connection that you guys had, oh man! And the video, the video was crazy for that John too. That was, you guys that was all him. He did that beat too. Wow, that's that's yeah. amazing, man. That's amazing. So so after you did that, did that make you want to like focus more on 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 the rapping, or you still kept it like where you still wanted to DJ? Was there a time that you felt like you wanted to rap more than DJing? DJing was paying the bills always for me. Cause I mean, I would be, you know, every week in the club, um, flying out of town. Like me and Tony went to Japan. I've been to, you know, f- over 50 countries and you know, that, that pays the bills. But the MCing is of course something that I, I like to do. And uh, I still wanted to make a rap album. Right. So but I didn't shop nothing. I got approached in 98, 98 by Sylvia Rome from Electra, somebody from Atlantic and Universal Records. I locked the deal in with Universal Records. Again, that album didn't come out. Like mm. I made, I, I got a crazy budget. I was in the studio. I was at D&D's every day from 12 noon to 12 midnight knocking stuff out i had guests i had coogee rap and cannabis and mop on one song i had all this and then all of a sudden they call me one day and say yo universal just changed hands up top and they're like dropping mad artists but we're gonna give y'all ten thousand dollars a piece like as a parting gift there's nothing i could do about that but i'd be like yo i don't want the ten thousand i want my music right i want the music i was recording because those songs are dope whether y'all know they dope or not and it was like, oh, the music though. Now nah, let's just take just take the money. We probably can give you a little more. I'm like, nah, I want the music. So I finally got the music from them. And then the music I gave, I, I sold it to Land Speed, which it's a, it's it's out there, but it's you know, it was on a label that had no backing. Land Speed. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they was good people. They had a lot of underground stuff. They did pretty well. They got their money back, but you know, it's called the state versus doo so it's like a song with AZ, a song with Cameron and Beanie Siegel, the Coogee rap, MOP Cannabis, you know, uh, I think called Mega, you know, like shit like that. It, yeah. it was pretty dope, but it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to be on that big stage, a Universal Records type, you know, that's what I wanted to do. So I mean, I'm, I'm even now I write, so I'm still rapping, but it's, I mean, an album, it's kind of... It's kind of tough if you ain't got that major push, you know what I mean? Like you would appreciate it. And I know people that would appreciate it if I just put it out. But you know, there, there's things out there. Like I put a mixtape out called the versification, just like the miseducation of Lauren Hill. It was called the versification of doo-wop. And it's all the stuff like that I spit on. And it's just, you know, the covers done very similar to Lauren Hills and um it's out there you know what i mean it's, it's on it's on the flash drive that you oh got. man i cannot wait for that flash drive let the people know too. do up about that flash drive you got man so in 2011 i was thinking because i always get emails and shit asking uh can i get 95 live can i get this can i get that and you know we don't have those tapes and cassettes and if we did who's gonna play a tape some people ain't even gonna play cds like you know so i'm like 
the digital, let me convert everything. It took a minute, but once I did it, it made sense. And it, you know, it was a lot of tedious work, but I remastered, I made about, up to 2011, I had already made about 60 mixtapes in my whole career. So I, tr I remastered everything and put it onto the flash drive and I started selling it. Um, Wow. And it's available right now. You know what I mean? So it's, it's still been available since it's been nine years since I've been selling this joint. And now everybody caught on. Ted Smooth does it. Ron G got it. T Tony Touch. So it's pretty. It's, it's like you know, no matter what, even in digital era, we keep we keep uh, uh, pioneering and innovating. You know what I mean? Like we keep doing those you, things. You got to keep. Got to man. That's got to adapt to the times, and you still got to try to create something that pushes the culture forward. Because now. Almost all the DJs have the flash drive with all their mixes on it. And the most amazing thing is, you want to listen to DJ Doo-Wop, man? You take that USB, you put it right in your car, and you're good to go, man. There's some people that don't have some people ask me, they'd be like, yo, I don't have the USB slot in my car. And I'm like, well, you can transfer it to your phone, to your computer, put it in your computer, put plug your phone in, or you could burn CDs from it, because I have everything separate. Separate. So each folder is a different mixtape and it's titled. Damn. So that is tedious, man. But let me tell you, that's 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 the legend's work on that that USB. It's my life on there, brother. I've been, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I've been talking about. It. I'm like, listen, man. I've been telling everybody, yo, you gotta grab that TJ Duop John. Story behind every single mixtape. Cause you ain't getting it from me. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Yeah, man. So how, how do you feel, Duop? How you feel? Be honest. Are you happy with your career, with everything, the way it went? Was it supposed to go that way? Did you see um, it that way? It's nothing I would do different. It's just, Rwanda, little things that I could remember that I might have slacked off on that was totally on me. So, so, you know, certain things when you're, when you're, when you're, when you have these opportunities, you know, like when you scorching hot and some opportunities come in for some reason, sometimes you think I have some other opportunities later. You understand? Now, like I said, I'm still fortunate enough to, to be able to DJ for a living. Even now, even during the pandemic, we still, we do parties from the, just like this on zoom. Beautiful. But we'll get paid what we get paid for a party. You know, um, so we still make a living off of it. Uh, we create a brand. I was able to create a brand by doing, you know, taking all the steps that I needed to during my career to, to stay, to try to stay relevant. So that's cool. But there's certain things like, you know, little things like, like, this is a funny story, but this is like, oh my God, my bank account would have been so crazy right now. Um, the nigga... The nigga Puff, well, it wasn't, my manager called me, it was around 98, and she said, she said, what I heard her say was Tuffy, now Tuffy used to be a guy that was on Video Music Box, a host, good guy, great guy, but yes. he was just, you know, just regular dude, and he was, he would do like this hosting, this video show, and uh, she was like, Tuffy wants you to come to the studio tonight to help him with a Spanish verse. And I said, Jessica, I told him that was the name of my manager. I said, Jessica, I barely even speak Spanish. I understand it, but I can't speak it. 
I'm not going. Like that's right now, mind you, 98. I'm like pop it, pop it, pop it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yo, I'm not doing that, yo. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here with that. <laughs> she was like, what? I was like, I'm not doing it. All right, it's over. So later, No Way Out comes out, Puff Daddy, Senorita comes out, written by Fat Joe. It was Puffy that was asking me to come to the studio, not Tuffy. Mm. <laughs> Bro, you know how many, how much copies that album sold? Why you think Joe got a freaking mansion right there? <laughs> Yo, niggas is still getting paid from the album. Those are the things. Those are the things that I rather, you know, those things like that. Now, everything else, when I came out, how I came out, the things I did, or the tapes I put out, nah, everything is good because, like I said, I'm blessed enough to still be able to make a living out of it. You know, the last nine to five I had was in 1991. Wow, that's a blessing, man. Last, last nine to five I had. So that's cool, but that right there shit i always think about that bro like <laughs> what the fuck? and i see you got the merch too do i yeah yeah you gotta have that i, I that learned merch that is nice from, man that merch that, that 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 merch is very nice man very I, very I nice that from guru you know from being on tour with guru um 2004 to, to when he passed away he give was, us a story he, give us a story about guru uh, he was a he was really big on uh, uh merch like the point to the point where we would be going overseas and he'll have three big bags one real big bag two other big bags and they'll tell him at the airport you can't bring all these you know uh, weight <laughs> limit and all this shit yo he'll leave half of his clothes just to bring his merch with him wow the merch is they gonna eat that up as soon as he get off the plane they're gonna eat that up you know uh uh it was he was just a cool dude, man. He was a great dude, very humble, a friend, a friend, not just an industry friend. He was a, a real friend. Um, but the merch, you know, that's how that came about. Like I learned it from watching him. You know, after the show, he would he would sit at the table himself. He didn't have to. There were people there that could do it for him, but he sat there because he knew that the people would want to get it from him personally. Um, people hit me on. DM, you know, just like you did. And, you know, sometimes they, you didn't say this, but some people ask me like, uh, uh, you know, they ask, are they speaking to me? They think people have oh, other really? people controlling it. Like, I feel like watching Raekwon and Guru and all these guys, how they deal one-on-one -on -one with people. That's how I learned that that's the way it should be done. People appreciate you more and, and you know, they could, you know, see you and touch you type shit. You know what I mean? So, so that's like that's that's what I learned from him, and um, yeah, that merch. And then, and then getting it from you personally, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like people be like, "Oh man, you know, oh yeah, just get it from the website." Nah, DM me if right. you want to order. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. So right. that's that's amazing to get it from you and and everything. It's like it's 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 insane, and then watching you from when you started to, to I'm, I'm 43, so I'm not that, you know, but just seeing you and, 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 and I would always say to my cousin, right, Danny, I know he's going to be watching this. We used to buy your mixtape. We used to buy a mixtape each, right? And he'll start listening from the B side and I'll start listening from the A side. 
<laughs> and one day I'm looking at him and I'm like, wow, one day we're going to have all our music in our pocket. Mm. Watch. <laughs> and how about that, brother? Wow, that's crazy. How about that's that? That's crazy. You know, why, why would he hear the B side of you? Why, why did y'all do that? It was just something we did. We used to do it with Silver Surfer mixtapes. We used oh, to do okay. it with uh, DJ Double R, Brucey e. B's. You know, right. we used to, you know, it was cool. It was a cool thing, man, that, right, that you right. did, you know? Right. But it was funny because, you know, I'll be like, yo, you got to listen to the A side now, man. And say, now flip it. And then he'll flip it on his Walkman. And that's how we did it. That's right. amazing, man. Right. But brother, man, we 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 appreciate you so much, man. You did a lot for hip hop, and you're a staple, and you always will be a staple. Thank and um, I think that you had a lot to do with bringing people out, whether those artists believe it or not. You put them on, man. You 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 made that that you made songs sound better than what they were, man. <laughs> that's and that's a DJ. That's what's up. That's, that's a DJ. That's what we always, you know, that, that was a big, a big, uh, something I concentrate on when I make it, when I make a tape, I write down all the songs I'm playing before I make the tape. And then after I make it, before I do the shout outs, I always put like, you know, this is a key part right here. You got to talk, you know, I got to talk on this part. I got to, it wasn't, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like I didn't sit there and wing it. Like, no, you definitely could tell there that you took your thought. time with it. There was wow. a lot of thought that went into it. Like Street Dreams by Nas. Like, I was the first one to have that. And I'm like, when Sony gave it to me, they were giving everybody else I Ruled the World, right? I Ruled the World came out first by Nas. Yeah. Street Dreams, Street Dreams was the B-side, but they didn't give it to nobody. You couldn't get it online and all that shit back then. This is 96. They said, we're going to give it to you and only you for like two weeks. Then we're going to give it to everybody else. Now, you know, I'm, that night I had to make a tape. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. And, you gotcha. know, Street got that part with the beat cut off, everything cut off. <laughs> My man put me up on the square, you know, like, yeah. I'm like, yo, I got to talk right there. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you got to, like, oh, yeah, let's do this. You know what I mean? You got to so, get in where you fit in, man. Right. So I'm like, shit, man, you got to make every record sound like something, something even better than what it already is. Wow. So, so do I tell me, man, from you, you seen it all, man, because you was there. So how do you see things now? With the industry, with the music, you know, with the music industry, the record labels, and the way people have platforms now with the social media, what's your take on that from you seeing all that change right before your eyes? Well, I, I tell you like this, the regular labels to me don't exist no more. And the reason I say that is because, you know, the, you know, going back to our day, no problem with the way it is now. That's what it is. But mm -hmm. our day was we had direct relationships with the record labels directly. Because we were the internet. Nobody yes. else. You, if, if somebody had a rat beef, you wouldn't know about it until it was on a mixtape. Uh, now, it's on social media. The rapper is actually beefing with the other rapper and they're actually tagging each other. So that's what it is. So so we, we, were, we were social media. When social media came in, 
you know, it doesn't really matter because all of us that were making tapes back then ain't really making tapes like that no more. But there's no room for like even new mixtape DJs. Like you don't even know who, I don't even know any new mixtape DJs. And I know there's a million of them out there trying to do what they're doing. If you go to, you know, that piff and all these sites, they're probably up there, but they're not standing out because social media has overtaken or overtook or whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the platform of this is the new record. Twitter already puts it up. Oh, new record by such and such. So new music, beefs, so all that shit is just, you know, so that's kind of whack to me. Yeah. But there's nothing you could do about it because as time goes on, everything gets more advanced. Who knows what it's going to be in 10 years with this shit. But they, it's different. I don't hate it, but it is what it is. And then just think about it, too. Those beefs that were on those tapes mm-hmm. still to this day. We like, yo, remember that, man? What the... They can't do that now because it it, it it's it, it lands flat in two hours. Pro- Prodigy, Prodigy's beef with Jay-Z started from a verse he did on my tape in 2001. He rapped off a of Hail Mary. He went at Jay-Z. And, and, and like when I dropped the tape, when I released it to the street, a day later, this guy from Rockefeller called me and said, yo, bring us that tape. And I felt funny about it because I'm like, I know what it's, you know, he going at Jay. And he was like, no, 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 we just want to hear it. We already know Prodigy went at us. We just want to hear it. So I brought it. I dropped it off. A little bit after that, Jay-Z did Takeover. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of beefs go back to mixtapes with, you know, uh, uh, Beanie and Jada Kiss. I guess that was a clue and envy thing. You know, they kind of sparked that. They didn't spark yeah. it, but yeah. it was the... it was the, the They fed it. They fed it. It was the ring. It was the boxing ring for it. It was the platform for it. You know, yeah. we had, we, we were platforms for, for rap beefs and for exclusives and for all kinds of shit. Wow, man. DJ Duop, man. I'm just, I'm looking at you. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I got this guy in front of me right now. What's up, bro? My brother, man, I appreciate you so much. Personally, man, you're my favorite DJ, man. Tony Touch, I love you too, man. But man, Duop, the verse, man. I always say, yo, that's the hottest DJ rapping, bro. Word up. What's up? <laughs> So we appreciate live too. Be, be and Tony going live December. Yeah, year. I saw that. Yeah, every year I do a, um, my birthday party in New York um, at his spot, which is Toka Tuesday. But obviously, niggas ain't doing clubs right now. So he's doing live on his uh, IG from some rooftop in New York. So I'm going to go to New York December. It's always on a Tuesday. So it's the first December. I mean, first Tuesday in December. I think it's December 1st. Okay. So we be on live every time me and him rock together. We rhyme. We do all that. Like it's a little different. Oh man, I love that stuff. I'll definitely be watching, man. So yeah, man. Well, let let people know where they could check you out on on IG and everything. I'm gonna tag everything when I put the podcast out. IG DJ Duop DJ D O O W O P. So you can email me with any requests for anything. DJ Duop at Gmail. Twitter the same thing. Facebook the same thing. DJ Duop. There you go, man. And make sure y'all get that USB. Amazing. I got mine. Get yours. Don't be asking me for copies or nothing because you ain't going to get it. All right? That's what I'm talking about. But yo, my brother, this is Let's Chop It Up With Zaz, and this is the legendary doo-wop, man. All right, Zaz. Peace. Peace out, brother. 